0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing?
0: I am doing... I'm doing good. Uh... Don't want to bore with the workouts. I'm sore. Same shit, different week. I still like video games. Same shit, different week. Um, so yeah, you know, no good. Doing good. Uh, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a mental health day next week. So I gave myself a nice three-day weekend. Not sure what I'm doing with it yet, but, you know, maybe it's just nothing. Maybe it's just absolutely nothing for the day. Who knows? But uh, feeling good. Uh, you know, it's kind of cooling off here this week. You know, it's been in the 90s. We had 100 degrees here in Boston on Monday. So, uh, a little too much sweat and heat for my taste, but, uh, falls right around the corner. The NBA bubble starts tomorrow. Joel, how excited are you?
1: I'm very excited. Uh, I don't think I realized how much I've missed sports, sports. and, uh, <laughs> You know, pro wrestling doesn't quite scratch that itch. So um, I, I'm definitely looking forward to checking out some of the games and huge way to kick it all off. I mean, Lakers Clippers tomorrow night. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited for that one. I'll definitely be watching. And then uh, I know the, the, your Mavericks, they have their first game Friday against the oh, yeah. Rockets, right?
0: National TV, nine o'clock last game. They are the last two teams to play in the bubble. You know, the official bubble start. And, uh, you know, it's it's step one on the path to the Dallas Mavericks being your 2020, 2020 NBA champions. Um, but I'm also down, like, Friday night also has a really good matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, which have had some bangers in terms of games the last few years. So it's going to be March Madness, man. Games on Saturday start at, like, 1 p.m., and then throughout the, the next few weeks, you know, we got about three weeks of this games every day, starting around one, going to about 10 o'clock at night. So I'm thinking about setting up a second TV in my living room just for the NBA app. <laughs> Excessive? Yeah, well, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to mention
1: the Celtics. We wouldn't, wouldn't want the uh, Beantown boys coming after us. I have it on good authority that they're uh, they're uh, uh, definitely a. Uh,
0: shitty block of that you, you don't want coming after
1: you so
0: yeah i i love this city but man boston sports fans are tough they are they are tough and i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> how you doing buddy
1: i'm doing well i was, I was waiting I, I didn't want to just launch into well here's how i'm doing because i felt like that would be you know awkward but <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i think things are things are good uh it's been a good week and um I don't really have a whole lot of anything to report. I think uh, I, I, I'm I'm very sad that that baseball is not good at, you know, <laughs> doing the sports safely. Uh, it's, uh, you know, not that I was like really, really looking forward to a 60 game MLB season. But the fact that, you know, my favorite player almost died of COVID and they're still, you know, having games and pretending like everything's okay. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about how, you know, despite the 14 coaches and players for the Marlins who have tested positive, all of the coverage on Fox Sports and MLB Network was just doing like highlights and pretending like none of that was going on. Even including highlights from the Marlins game and then of course ESPN is the only outlet talking about it. So I was like, really? Like this is like the season's about to be over. Yeah. Because they just there's no way that they can actually do this.
0: No, uh, well, you either need to be in a bubble or you don't play. Like and it I feel it's a little different for the NHL, MLB and MLS because they just had to finish a season. You know, they didn't have to try and put on the dirt like the entirety of their season. So I feel like their situations are perfect for a bubble. I am, I am more worried about next year's NBA season going off without a hitch than I am finishing this season, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, yeah, no bubble, no dice. And the NFL, like, I'm trying not to hit the NFL too hard because, you know, I think all signs back in like April is that oh, if numbers have been going down, distancing, it's working. I think they just thought it would be. In control by now, which I think we call that arrogance. it would be under control. Yeah. By now. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the case. So, you know, this last couple of weeks of them trying to negotiate this deal, um, I think was because they just assumed it would be better. And I think we all did too. And, you know, my state's an example where it's, it's better, but even us, we had a spike this weekend where we jumped from like 160 positive uh test to like 280 in a single day. Um, it's gone back down. So hopefully it stays that way, but these spikes are happening and, you know, we're not seeing uh, a unified cause to, to defeat this. So um, yeah, very nervous about football, uh, baseball, screw it. The Red Sox traded Mookie bets. I don't give I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> they, they traded my, the only player to get me really invested to baseball they traded him and you know how you know personally how hard it has been to get me into baseball
1: <laughs> true story well on that note let's talk wrestling
0: yeah let's uh let's dive into this uh the week that was the dynamite that was <laughs> oh you just gotta talk over it, it goes on and on and on
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not ready for that so uh, Dynamite started off with the Inner Circle taking on Best Friends and Friends, uh, which uh, Best Friends and Friends got the victory in that affair after Matt Hardy made an appearance. And uh, that was followed by John Moxley cutting a promo. We got the TNT title defense. Cody taking on War Horse, who is a new talent, had not been seen before in AEW. Cody got the victory in that affair. We then got a Chris Jericho promo discussing what he's going to do to Orange Cassidy and how he's going to extract his $7,000 to replace his suit. We got FTR's official contract signing, which was attended by both Arn Anderson and Hangman Adam Page. Uh, We then got the tag team championship match between the Dark Order and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Omega and Page getting the pinfall victory in that affair. This was followed by a massive kerfuffle involving members of the Dark Order, Omega and Page, the Young Bucks, and FTR setting up a match for next week. Uh, Britt Baker caught a promo talking about the women's division and Big Swole specifically. Uh, And then we got a promo from Diamante ahead of her match with Hikaru Shida. Shida getting the pinfall victory in that affair. We then got a backstage segment with Nyla Rose, finding out that her tag team partner for the women's tag team tournament will be Arian Andrews, uh, who some of you may know as Cameron from WWE.
0: Somebody call my mama.
1: So uh, we then got an (laughs) incredible promo, or should we call it a campaign rally for MJF? as he announced his candidacy to be the AEW champion and called out Jon Moxley. And after that, we got a backstage promo with Taz, Paige, and Ricky Starks ahead of their match with Jon Moxley and Darby Allin. Mox and Darby getting the pinfall victory in that affair. And that's the week that was. Mike, what are your thoughts?
0: Stock up, stock down. First off, shout out to NFL primetime, the best recap show. I'm going to need you to channel your inner Chris Berman going forward. We need some um, to really get the vibe going there. But um, I want to start off with the only candidate in 2020, (laughs) MJF. Joel, I got pipe bomb vibes from this promo. Not so much of the ooh, shocking! He's breaking the fourth wall. Just how good the promo was, how passionate the promo was, and just the the no holds bar attack throughout the entire promo. I thought it was gonna be over the top. I thought it was gonna be kind of eh, I hate when they kind of try and like mock politics, but holy shit, Joel! This was this might be the best promo in AEW this year.
1: It was really strong, and I think MJF's delivery really sold it. Um, I don't, I don't think the words that he was saying are really that important, but it was the delivery, it was the conviction, it was the filling up the screen and staring directly into the camera that made it work for me. The one kind of criticism I guess I could have of this is it kind of felt face-ish. So, like, he didn't really come off as a heel because, you know, I I was waiting for him to jump to a conclusion that was incorrect. You know, we've talked about before how heels will tell you the truth, right? They don't lie to you. It's the conclusion that they draw from the truth that they tell that makes them a heel. And that's the piece I was looking for, that I was waiting for and it wasn't really there you know he made good points he's not wrong about the fact that he's been you know sitting with this amazing record and yet he hasn't gotten a title opportunity at either the AEW championship or the TNT championship so it kind of feels like he's getting ducked and it just came across as as kind of babyface what did you feel about the the kind of timbre of the promo
0: well isn't a isn't someone feeling like they've been overlooked, like such a huge, like motivator to get into politics as this was announcing your candidacy. It, if I get what you're saying that, you know, he didn't really come off with this like warped mindset or warped conclusion, but I kind of just like the heel saying, Hey, this, this, this is bullshit. I am basically saying I'm competing for the title at all out. What are you going to do about it? Like, So I kind of like the gumption in the balls to just say, yeah, this is happening. Um, And yeah, like nothing he said is wrong. Like we've talked about before about having a WWE guy on top of their show. And they've had two WWE guys as their AW world champions so far, Um, which, you know, we both agreed that, hey, this is a great way to get them viewers, get them looks Like, it's going to be really interesting is who is the first AEW world champion who is not a former WWE guy. Um, But, you know, it's everything he said was true. And if you're a fan, a diehard fan of Moxley, you're going to take offense to everything he just said. Um, Me, I'm kind of sitting here. I'm like, oh, my God. Has he been, like, reading my text with my friends about AEW? Because I have said so many of the same things. But... um, you know, he did do some heelish things, you know, to start. I The one thing that made me cringe, I hate when people tell women to smile. And I know it was a way to get heat, but, oh, it's always so cringy. <laughs> like, it's always cringy. But, um, you know, I loved the shots at uh, WWE. I loved him calling Moxley a cosplay, cosplaying another wrestler. And that's a stone cold fact. Um, I loved the line, I don't have to play wrestler because I am one. Um, I liked, they keep leaning into the ratings and I loved MJF using the ratings against Moxley saying my ratings are better than your ratings. Um, I, I just, I just loved it, man. I just loved everything about it. Uh, and I think the line from the line of the promo is my talent outweighs your tenure. And oh God, man, I was so fucking hyped when he dropped that line. It just mm, felt so good. Ah. I loved it. I just absolutely loved it.
1: MJF is is undeniably talented, and, and they've done a good job of positioning him by having him rack up wins. And, you know, it's true that he hasn't taken a pinfall and he hasn't tapped out. So, you know, you can make the argument that he hasn't been defeated so far in AEW. So I like that he's getting this shot. We talked, I think, a couple of months ago about how it would make sense for MJF to be, the next person to uh, face off with Moxley for the title. Um, And that was before Brian Cage debuted and kind of took that spot. So it works for me. I think it makes sense. And I'm looking forward to the rest of this feud. I think they're two good talkers. They come with very Mm -hmm. different perspectives and different styles and deliveries. So this should make for an interesting story.
0: You know what I, I really love about how they handled this? And in the other wrestling company and in other wrestling companies, storylines start, storyline stops. Next storyline starts, storyline stops. I kind of like that they're still working this Moxley, Darby, Cage, Ricky Starks, Taz feud. And then they're building this feud with MJF before that one even ends. So it's just refreshing because it it just always felt, oh, there's a there's we're at backlash feud end. Now we're going to money in the bank feud. And so it's nice that these feuds aren't just ending and starting, ending and starting that they're kind of bleeding together. Um, and yeah, MJF is, is, is a talent. He was, it seemed like he was going to be set up to be the number one contender pre COVID. Um, Cause I remember that he was number one in the rankings. And then with COVID him and Mox both had to be away for a long time. Like uh, I don't think MJF came back until the quarantine tapings were over. That's like, correct. Yeah. So that was about what, six weeks of not really being on the main show. He had promos and videos. And re- I remember a stockman like, not sure they really hit that. Well, it's a little different without the crowd. So, um, this just immediately shot him right back up there as like a legitimate, uh, foil to John Moxley here. Now, I mean, I, we'll talk about the main event here in a little bit, but, um, I'm, If that's our main event for All Out, Moxley versus MJF, that's a pretty good main event.
1: Well, they still have a, a good amount of time to build towards that. I mean, mm-hmm. All
0: Out's, what, end of August, beginning of September? Uh, Labor Day weekend, yeah, so early September.
1: Yeah, so there's plenty of time to generate interest for people who aren't immediately hooked by this idea but i think you know this is a match that you and i have been talking about for a while now and i'm ready for it so let's get to it let's build this story i kind of thought we might be moving the wardlow mjf storyline forward first but to Mm -hmm. your point i think that can continue to happen as mjf is pursuing the AEW championship
0: yep yep you plant those seeds let it boil over um anything else about this match before we move on to for the second week in a row, the AW championship.
1: Yeah. uh, Let's uh, let's go ahead and and jump in and talk about it. So we had a banger of a main event with the tornado tag match between John Moxley and Darby Allen tagging against Brian cage and Ricky Starks in in a match that culminated with Darby Allen pulling out a Uh skateboard with thumbtacks all over it and going off the top rope to stomp that skateboard into Ricky Stark's (sighs) back in what was a gruesome and bloody and violent finish to the match. If he had kicked (sighs) out of that, I would have been completely bullshit because (laughs) that is a spot that needed to end the match. and It was nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, we've had thumbtack spots two weeks in a row. What what is this? ECW? Like, oh my God. And that I feel like this one is worse. Like, I I know I'm sure falling on him doesn't feel great, but you're having like a hundred and seventy-five pound man like stomp that into your spine. And if you noticed, he was not just a little blood like you sometimes get with the thumbtacks, he was bleeding everywhere. Everywhere.
1: So I th- I think what happened there is that instead of just going into his skin, they kind of tore along. His yeah. Skin. Like you remember like, when Reed, we were at that Ring of Honor show and Kazarian and Page had the had strap match. The strap match, and towards the end of the match, the gimmicked strap came out that had like the the tacks in it, and they started mm-hmm. beating each other with this leather strap with thumbtacks in it, and they both just got totally torn up yeah. and bloody. That's what it reminded me of. It, it looked like those kind of marks on Ricky Starks back. And in my opinion, I mean, this was a crime against Ricky Starks.
0: Oh yeah. The man um, is a treasure and should be treated as such. I, I've come to a, I come to a conclusion tonight about Ricky Starks, Joel. I, I want to share it with you. He is everything Sammy Guevara wants to be. And I, <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong? He is. I, I think they're portraying different
1: characters. <laughs> I think, I, I think, Sammy is like very egotistical and like I'm the best. I'm a god. And Ricky, Ricky knows that he's cool. He's not trying to convince anyone that he's cool. Sammy is trying to convince us that he's cool. And I think those are two different perspectives. I hear where you're coming from. But
0: by the way, you man, mentioned I the love rock vibe. You mentioned the rock vibes when he debuted. Him with that big cold gold chain, one hundred percent got uh um the rock vibes from him. And when he says you dress like ping Pen and you wrestle like a crash dump crash card dummy, that that could have been a rock line if I closed my eyes. Like yeah, absolutely, it was good. Um, I mean, you so can yeah, see I,
1: the influence it's it's pretty yeah. clear.
0: Even like the haircut, you know, like the little like the haircut even looks like early rock. So, um, yeah man he's he's a great promo too like him and taz tag teaming that promo before the match was just phenomenal like Ricky Starks man I love this little Taz faction that's going on and I kind of would like him to expand it even more going forward not right away you know let's build up Ricky Starks here but what a what a what a way to build up Starks by teaming him with these two guys like and this match. It was short. It was short. They didn't really kick off the match till about nine forty eight, nine forty nine. So there wasn't much time here, but man, it was constant. And one of the first things that stood out for me was Stark speared Darby on the apron, and it looked insane. And God, just so much, so much chaos in this match. And like you said, culminated with the thumbtack spot. I hope this isn't the ends of this kind of this faction war here, this little group war, because I think they have really good chemistry. I would have loved to see this match get a little more time.
1: Well, you know, we, we talked about how this match could set up any variety of potential outcomes. And what it ultimately set up is Mox and Darby for the title next week. So, oh, yeah, you know, like we said, it, it was unpredictable where they were going to choose to go. Uh, with the immediate future of the AEW championship, putting these four guys in the ring together. And I think we're seeing that play out. I love that Darby's just like, I don't give a shit who has the belt. I'm going to yeah. challenge everyone. I'm going to shoot my shot. And eventually it's going to land. It has oh, to be eventually, because he is too damn good to come up short every single time.
0: He's a guy whose title deserves to be in front of a crowd. When he wins it for the first time, it needs a crowd because they're going to lose their absolute minds. Um, But yeah, fun match, man. Uh, What do you, my only thought, not even necessarily a complaint, is we've talked about we don't want Cage to fall down the uh, Lance Archer hole or the Brody Lee hole. Does him eating this L kind of so quickly after losing the title match you know, does that bother you at all? It kind of, it kind of came up in my mind a little bit where I'm like, uh, he lost again.
1: Yeah. It didn't even really occur to me. He didn't take the pinfall. Ricky ate the pin. So I think that kind of protects him a little bit. And it was also just a really chaotic match. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of forgivable for him to not be able to come up with, with the win there. If anything, Taz is the one who comes out looking worse as a result, because you know, Team Taz, his his new faction, just took a long else. In profile match. So, you know, he's not looking great as a manager right now from a kayfabe perspective because his clients are not getting the wins. So he's got to turn that around. I don't think this looks bad for Cage necessarily. Uh, and I, I like the choice that they made to, to have this match. I like the outcome of this match. And I think that Darby and Moxley are perfect pairing because, you know, Darby's going to bump like crazy for Mox next week, Mm -hmm. and they're both nuts. So we're probably going to see some crazy shit in that match.
0: Yeah, I've learned with AEW, even if there's not a stipulation, it can get, you know, bloody or (laughs) hardcore within the framework of the rules. So I expect it to be an intense match next week. Um, anything else here, Joel, before we move on to our next Stock Up, Stock Down topic?
1: Now let's move on. we got some new talent to talk about.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, starting with uh, Warhorse, who I, I think probably Warhorse is, is not going to be a regular on AEW, uh, although I would be perfectly happy to see more of him. He looked great in this match, clearly has a lot of charisma, uh, doing a bit of a Ultimate Warrior kind of gimmick, I think. hmm and uh, I liked it. I liked what I saw. But after that match concluded, after Cody got the win, he was jumped by members of the Dark Order. And who came to the rescue? One Woo. Matt Cardona. Woo.
0: Woo. You know. A Matt Cardona, who is jacked.
1: Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> but seriously, like, has... put, put a wrestler in skinny jeans and a black tank top, and they immediately look tougher. Like he looked amazing.
0: No, I, I, he's definitely been putting in some work, and like he never was like out of shape. Like I'm looking at pictures of, of him now, where you know he's a really in shape dude. He just looks bigger, if that makes sense. And this has been rumored for a long time. He was rumored to be the first challenger to in the TNT title, uh, open challenge. Um, you know him and Cody go way back. Apparently, you know they. Because you know, they kind of started in WWE right around the same time. Like, what was that, 10, 12 years ago? Um, and they've talked about before about their friendship and, and everything they've been through. So it was a signing that made sense. I'm curious to see if they can do with him what they never really were able to do in the other wrestling company. Now, was that on him or was that just their you know, lack of a desire to push him? Hesitation? That could be it. But I'll tell you, man, one of my favorite in-person WrestleMania moments was WrestleMania 31, where he won the uh, Intercontinental title in the ladder match to kick off the show. Yeah, no one expected it. He was kind of a last-minute addition to the match, too. I believe someone got hurt, so they put him in. And, you know, screaming, woo-woo-woo, you know it, in Cowboy Stadium was not a moment I expected, but it was (laughs) wonderful. So... Um, I'm stoked to see it. I, you know, there's some people talking about, oh, you know, they're just signing everyone. I'm like, they, they're not just signing everyone. You know, it's, it's not a TNA situation. I don't, at least I don't feel like it is yet. Do you feel like it's kind of like the old TNA where they just signed every free agent available? Cause I feel like they've been a little more selective with that.
1: Who gives a damn. This is, <laughs> this is how this works. Okay. Everybody used to work in every territory. Everybody bounced back and forth. Like we focus on the big names, like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. But guess what? Scott Hall had worked in WCW before he went to WWF and became Razor Ramon. Before he went back to WCW, like it's just this is how the business works. They're talent. They're free agents. You don't, you know, look at a at a sports team and say, oh, they're just signing people who used to play for other teams. Of course they freaking are. That's that's who's out there. And when you've got someone like Matt Cardona, who knows how to self-promote, who knows how to get himself over. And I also think that's why they never made it work in the other wrestling company is I really think that his getting himself over when he wasn't supposed to with the internet champion thing. I Mm -hmm. think that kind of pissed off Vince and that he was like, Nope, that's well, it, he but,
0: still yeah. logs in he still logs in through aol so what does he know about the internet champion okay <laughs> you know like you've got mail vince's you know eh. he's just
1: they um, stopped sending him cds with free internet minutes
0: 900 free minutes um but yeah so i i'm with you there you know i i kind of knew that where you would go with that when i asked that question so um and he is a good hand a veteran there's a lot of young guys in this company so if you can bring in someone like him you can help you help get talent over. And you know what? You know, we don't know what he can be at his full potential because we never got this. He never got the chance. Really? I remember when Kane Lily threw him off the stage and it ended his push. Like, and Cena slept with his girlfriend. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, that was messed up.
0: Yeah. Like he got cuckold. It was weird. So, um, is what it is, but I, I'm glad to see him. Uh, he, He's always been kind of one of my favorites. Um, And yeah, good for Macadona And the Long Island Ice Z is back, baby. But Joel. I
1: I think at worst, they got a a great hand. And at best, they got someone who can potentially carry a main event segment. So I'm here for it.
0: But Joel, that wasn't the only familiar face we saw tonight. Um, with the reveal that the deadly draw will literally be all the women randomly assigned to teams, Nia Rose found out who her new partner was, and it's a Funkadactyl, baby! Someone call my mama! This is great! <laughs> it's not my favorite it, yeah. Funkadactyl. It's it's the second favorite Funkadactyl, but, you know, it's hard to compete with Naomi. So, uh, the artist for me now is Cameron. What is she going by in AEW, Joel? I, I kind of missed it.
1: Arian Andrews. or An- Andrews. I'm not sure An- how to pronounce it. I've only ever seen it, you know, spelled out on, on a screen. So, um, but she uh, is, she was very athletic. And I actually, I remember watching a few of her singles matches in NXT. And I always thought she had good charisma in the ring. And uh, obviously she's had a lot of time to work and train and improve i haven't seen her wrestle Mm -hmm. in years and i've heard good things and i've heard you know that she never really got the chance that she wanted when she was with the other wrestling company so hopefully all of what i've heard is true and i'm looking forward to seeing her in action but i think my big takeaway from this is we have no idea whose names are in this draw and yep. we knew there were going to be some some names that we weren't expecting. And I like that they're just diving right in and that we're going to be finding out over the next couple of weeks who the rest of these teams are. And I love the fact that we can almost guarantee that the Nightmare Sisters are not going to be on the same team because...
0: So I was wondering that. Are they locked in as a team or are they going to be drawn at random as well?
1: the rules that were explained tonight is that everybody will draw for a random partner. So even though they were a pre-established team, that doesn't matter. So I think what's likely is that at some point during this tournament, they're going to square off as one half of opposing teams. And I've really been enjoying the story that they're doing with the whole nightmare sisters thing. And I think this is a great way to, advance that throughout this showcase.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, but uh Ariane has not been in a wrestling company since 2016 when she was last in NXT and I have a little uh I my old roommate we used to watch Total Divas together and it's entertaining and Cameron was a player on that show for a while. So, uh there was a couple uh times during the show where she kind of talked about how her she wanted to get back to NXT to get her like keep training, but they kept like bringing her back and forth, and she wasn't being used on TV. So, um, you know, there's not really much information out there on on what she's been up to. But uh, was not a face I I looked at. I'm like I know her. Like I had a full Hamilton moment. Like I know him. Like I I didn't know, uh, right off the bat. But interesting name, and I think. Uh, you're right. It kind of sets the precedent that we don't like we're going to get surprises, which we knew we were because we counted all the women who would be in this tournament and we needed another six or seven people to really make it work. Um, so curious to see how she does. Curious to see how the rest of these teams work, work out. I think that's a really cool stipulation. They added to the tournament that the teams will be randomly drawn. Um, and I swear to God, if we get Diamante and Evelise, uh, then we know that we know the thing was rigged.
1: Um, oh, it would be so random if they got paired
0: up. <laughs> so um yeah, so uh two looks like two actual debuts in Ariane and uh Macrodona and a good showing from Warhorse. Um anything else about these three before we move on to Lightning Round at record pace, 33 minutes going on Lightning Round. Look at us.
1: Yeah, I think I think we can move on. I, I think we we might need to come up with a new name for our, our segment that we just completed because when was the last time we had a stock down? Everything's been uh, stock up all the way. So, uh,
0: uh yeah, at least I...
1: five weeks ago. So
0: yeah, something like that. Let's move on to the lightning round. Lightning round.
1: So you mentioned uh, Diamante and I wanted to kick off lightning round by shouting out the match between Sheeta and Diamante. I thought it was really good. And uh, this match actually got more time than the main event, which was kind of cool. (laughs) Which is
0: funny because I thought this needed more time, too. (laughs) Like, um, I kind of felt like this match kind of was a blink and it was over. Like it was physical and it was intense, but it wasn't that long either
1: it was a good match and I liked what I saw from both competitors I think uh it, it was clear that they haven't worked each other that many times because mm-hmm. uh, there were some spots that the timing was a little bit off but by the end of the match everything was looking crisp and I uh, I really like what I'm continuing to see from Diamante we know Sheeta is great so I don't feel the need to, to kind of talk about that again but really like what I'm seeing from Diamante
0: yeah, uh, I guess I guess her and Eva Elise are short because she looked a lot shorter than uh, her Kawashita this week, um, which I don't think is ever a sentence I've uttered in my life uh <laughs> on this podcast. Um but yeah, it, it was an extremely physical match. Like it seemed more brawly than anything else. Um Diamante is just a great uh addition to the women's division. Um kind of the same thing. Like they've kind of built her up here really quickly and then she ate the L I thought with the, you know, the uh, non-title um, match that maybe they would slip and let her get the win. But um, other than that, you know, I, I kind of wanted them having have more time, but it was very good for what they got. Um, and with the deadly draw tournament, like we're just gonna, we will have more women's moments on the show, which I think is what I've been looking forward to. Because um, it just hasn't felt like it's, we've been able to do that since the start of the quarantine tape, quarantine era. So, um, but yeah, great stuff there. Um, I'm going to start off with (laughs) was a 10 team, 10 person tag. Not enough for you, Joel. We're guess what? We're going to do a 12 man team next week. Like (laughs) let's just add people. I want a 15, 16 person tag team match in two weeks. If not, I'm going to be pissed, but a fun start to the show. Uh, with the inner, a uh, reunited inner circle versus uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, the best friends, in Orange Cassidy. And like, we're getting Jericho uh, Cassidy too. So that's the biggest take from that. I'm so freaking stoked for that.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a really fun match. And I thought the standout for me was Luchasaurus looked mm-hmm. absolutely great and hit some devastating kicks in this match. I'm continually impressed with his athleticism, his strength and his balance. And I just I'm excited that this feud is moving forward, that we actually have a date for when this Orange Cassidy Chris Jericho rematch is going to happen and Orange Cassidy better get the win this time. Like Oh, for seriously. sure. I know he doesn't technically ever need to win a match for his gimmick to work. But I really want to see him win. And I want to see Jericho get his ass beat. And that's a testament to how good Jericho is at being a heel. So, uh, yeah. Well,
0: with the announcement that Tyson's returning to boxing, doesn't seem like we're getting that Tyson-Jericho match anytime soon. So uh, I would love to see on the all-out poster Cassidy-Jericho with a big three underneath them. Cause let's bring this, we need a we'll world need the rubber match when Cassidy gets that win in two weeks. Um, but yeah, great stuff here. I like that. They went right back to the Matt Hardy storyline with, uh, Sammy Guevara tonight. I know that they were in position to do something prior to his suspension. Um, and if you recall prior to that suspension, Hardy basically said for Sammy to reach his full potential, he needs to get away from Jericho. Uh, which I, kind of believe is not even kayfabe like i think that's true um so i'm curious to see where they go from here now that matt hardy has reinserted himself back into sammy's life hopefully not running the poor bastard over with a car (laughs) happened too many times
1: yeah i i agree i think with the inner circle you've got jericho who's the clear leader you have hager who's the heater you have the tag team specialists in ortiz and santana and then sammy's kind of like the mascot so <laughs> I definitely don't think you're realizing your potential when you're, you know, the, the fifth member of a team and, you know, he might as well be coming out in the giant Panda head like he used to because he's definitely the mascot of the group. So uh, I agree. I think this feud with Matt Hardy could be a great way for him to kind of redefine his character and, set himself up to be a bigger deal moving forward. He's one of the best workers in the company and his character work is good. Even if the character is a little bit stale. So let's find a way to refresh it. Let's find a way to make it more interesting. Working with Matt Hardy, someone so tremendously creative and experienced is a great way to do that.
0: For sure. Joel, next, next thing you want to talk about in lightning round here.
1: Uh, We got to talk about this FTR contract signing. I, I, Loved
0: everything about <laughs> this segment. I
1: thought it was so great. I liked that they were talking over different clauses in their contract, that they had lawyers present that they weren't willing to sign until Arn Anderson showed up and gave it a look over to make sure they were being treated right. And the whole thing was just fantastic. And then Adam Page shows up with shot glasses and whiskey and pours himself the biggest shot, biggest ever. glass.
0: And that then, is not a shot, Joel. I know you don't go to bars uh, a lot, but that is not a shot. That would be about a $50 drink here yeah, in Boston. I,
1: I, that, that, is a, that is a Wild West shot glass. Okay. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. That's and a lot, of, a lot of alcohol. And I know it was a lot. That's the point. Uh, but and then he proceeds to take a massive pull off of this drink and then his. Face,
0: <laughs> and you I don't could know tell it was real. It.
1: You could... I, I don't know if you caught it, but he's under his breath. He's like, "I think I poured too much."
0: Yeah, yep. Very sure. good stuff from segment from Adam Page, and we found out that August twelfth will be Tag Team Appreciation Day at AEW, hosted by FTR, which I feel like is just a big middle finger to the other wrestling company cuz <laughs> <laughs> cuz these guys have been talking about the art of tag team wrestling for years and then basically begging begging Vince McMahon to make tag team wrestling more of an emphasis so they got a they're in heaven right now and it's so good for them like good for fucking them um next thing i want to talk about is i want to talk about the aw tag team championship match uh and specifically look at the complete 180 the dark order has made since last year it was this time last year that we were building up to all out where they were going to be in the finals for the uh the buy for the aw tag team tournament and we didn't really know much about them and we all kind of mocked them and they had so many starts and restarts and stops and restarts. They're they're firing all cylinders right now, man, and I love the fact that they are getting involved with the elite. And Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, awesome workers. Grayson's 450 tonight was one of the best 450s I think I've ever seen. And then you have a very uh <laughs> enthusiastic Cole Cabana on commentary singing the praises of the Dark Order, brainwashed even, and then a silent, sexy Anna J in the background. It's working, man. It's working.
1: Yeah, I I really like this faction. The only thing I didn't like was that they kind of got clowned in this segment because, you know, it looked like there were about 20 members of the Dark Order out there and they get you know fought off by the elite plus two so you know it, I, I thought that there could have been a little bit more offense a little bit more of a beat down before fdr intervened but all in all i like the way they're being set up as as being more of a, a menace and definitely carrying more of a threat
0: well joel that like the vast majority of the dark order they're like red shirts from star trek they're just there to die. Like there's like if they were Yu-Gi-Oh cards, they'd be one stars. Okay. They're, they're not there to s- actually do any damage. They're there to get destroyed. So, you know, add up like seven creepers that equals like one of Kenny's legs. <laughs> so like we got real life superheroes in this company and Kenny Omega and the elite are them. So, um, but yeah, we're going to have a match between these two groups next week. The, the, Aforementioned twelve man escalation match, um, which should be fun. But yeah, I I, I'm digging what they're doing. Uh, I want to the Anna J thing. Like she kind of was just like standing behind Brody Lee at one point, where I actually thought they like they screwed up because she I thought she was supposed to be like hiding behind him and would be revealed. (laughs) Like it was really weird. And then she just kind of was there. But um, I like the look. You know, I hope that she's in the uh the women's tournament here give her a chance to showcase and give the dark order another avenue to recruit you know we we always talk about how we want the dark order to really be a web to to go through all of AEW, and now they have their their women's division entry point so anything else about this joel and do you have any other lightning round items because i am out
1: well i think the only segment we haven't touched on really is the uh brit baker promo and what did you think about this? I thought it was a, a pretty, pretty good promo and I just I love the whole setup with her having the police system to pass notes to Shoni Schiavone
0: <laughs> and
1: um uh, her talking about how, you know, she's not stupid, Spool's not gonna be suspended forever. I saw you're in this video, so I know you're gonna be in this tournament and her whole thing and you know this is still my division. Just think it's good work by her to to be out there, deliver a convincing promo, stay relevant even though she can't compete, and provide entertainment. So I, I think it's worth mentioning that she was there and, and got to do yeah. something.
0: Well, then she also dropped the stipulation, if you beat the opponent of my choice, you get me. I thought, because she mentioned that right after mentioning Big Swole's in tag tournament, I thought she was going to say, Swole, you need to win the tag tournament and I thought that would have been an awesome like chase for Big Swole to try and push her way through this tag team tournament to get to Brit. Um, but I'm okay with her having to face the person of Brit's choice, but um, if you haven't listened, Big Swole was on AW unrestricted she was uh, last week. She was oh it was so comment. good. It was a great episode. I didn't realize all the health issues that she's had over the years too, like the fact that she had that bad of what was it was Crohn's disease. Yeah, I knew like, about the
1: Crohn's. I didn't know she'd been struck by lightning and had cancer multiple times. Like
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Or, how, how she almost drowned with a bad babysitter, like <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, oh no, she got she she got lost downtown with a babysitter and her older sister almost let her drown in a bathtub. Um, so yeah, don't stand next to her. Um, you know, you might get struck by lightning. So uh, really cool stuff and can't wait to see this match. And I love that they're still referencing a potential match between the two because that means Britt Baker's recovery and rehab's going well. So hopefully we get that match at All Out because that will be, for me, a marquee match because it's going to have like five months of storytelling. <laughs> like the fact that it's still going and it's not still yet is just truly amazing.
1: Absolutely. You could give me that match with no build and I would be excited about it but we, we have all the ammunition we need over the last several months of putting this together and, and making it feel like it matters. So it's going to be a great way for Britt to come back. And she and Swole are two of the most talented women in this division. I'm sure they're going to put on a show.
0: Yep. And so we briefly mentioned some of the matches next week. So let's just run through what's on the card for next week, Joel. We are going to have the 12-man match between the Dark Order, the Elite, and FTR. Uh, we are going to have Nate Silver and Alex Reynolds versus Cody and Matt Cardona. Nate so, Silver
1: really making his AEW debut.
0: Did I say Nate Silver? You did. I meant to say John Silver. <laughs> Is Nate Silver 538?
1: Yeah. I had to give you a correction on that stat.
0: Yeah. I've been reading a lot of uh, his polling stuff lately. So <laughs> he's on my mind. Um, then we're going to get John Moxley. Sorry. I'm skipping that. We're going to get MJF addressing the country again. And what could either be the greatest segment in AEW history or the worst segment in AEW history, we are getting Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy in a debate with a special guest moderator. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of
1: feels like something that would happen in the other wrestling company that would be cringy and unpleasant. So I'm hoping that it's not that. Um, And honestly, we haven't heard Orange Cassidy speak very much. So I am excited to hopefully, you know, get to hear from him a little bit. I also feel like this is a segment that kind of needs a crowd.
0: uh, Yeah, I don't know how it's going to go.
1: To be able to have those reactions to what the talent are saying or doing in the ring, because I think there's a good chance that we don't really get a whole lot of words from orange that he just is going to, you know, give a thumbs up, put sunglasses on, put his hands in his pockets and all of that would get a huge reaction from the crowd if there was one. And that could be something that Jericho could play off of, you know, get increasingly more and more frustrated as he makes different points, but the crowd is booing him. And then orange Cassidy is just being cool and the crowd loves it. So, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, anything else? Oh shit. I'm sorry. And the main event, we are going to get stone cold junior, junior versus Jeff Hardy, junior, junior for the AEW world championship. And when I say that, I mean, Moxley versus Darby Allen, but those are two wrestlers. They both remind me of, this should be a stellar main event. And if there's no funkiness or interference, this could be great.
1: Yeah. I think it's likely that we do get funkiness and interference here. Um, You know, this might be the spot that we uh, we finally get a match in AEW that doesn't conclude uh, if we have, you know, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks decide to exact some revenge uh, or, you know, whatever else could potentially happen. MJF could get involved. So I don't know that we're going to get a clean finish in this one, but uh, we'll see.
0: All right. And... I really have to pee. So I'm going to fly through this. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can find us at Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can follow Joel at The Other Joel. We are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Anywhere you can find your podcast, please rate and subscribe. That can really help us uh, grow the show, uh, get more people to see our podcast in the searches. So. Please subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. I'll give you a seven-star rating back. I'm going Meltzer on you. So you can also email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com And love the interactions we've been getting on Twitter uh, the last few weeks. So keep it up. Um, yeah. And Joel, anything to add before I piss my pants?
1: Join the dark order. Join the dark order. Remember, everybody, life's a
0: work. Duck the clothesline and happy wrestling.